Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Pew Scorter. Pew Suter. Lafferty, left wing, shoots, stopped by Skinner, rebound, Oakliner scores! Skinner! Need a goddamn occasional save. You are not my son. I'll tell you, Denver's like a smelling salt. Like, we woke up. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes of Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Andy, good morning to you. Good morning. Greg, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of this program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. The Dunbar Lumber Text Line 650 650 is popping right now. 601 on a Tuesday. All of you should be asleep, but you can't sleep. Because you're too excited about your Vancouver Canucks. That's going to be the focus for all of our guests on the show today. Just a series of Canucks-related questions. Maybe not even questions. Just mm-hmm. talk about how good the Canucks are. Yeah. That begins at 6.30 with Greg Wyshynski. Now, there's an interesting wrinkle here. Because over at ESPN, they're already doing their NHL awards watch. Right. First Canucks, one of Canucks the year. won them all? Every award. Yeah. Every award. It was amazing. They just gave all the team awards to the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. And some other guys. We'll talk to Greg about that at 6.30. 7.30, Axel Schuster. I'm going to try and shoehorn in as many Vancouver Canucks questions as I can with Axel. <laughs> I understand. Who is your favorite Vancouver Canucks? I understand he is the Whitecaps sporting director. I understand that the Whitecaps were eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday. But I actually do want to ask him some questions about where MLS is trending and is it starting to become a league of haves and haves not. Have do you nots? see any similarities between Vanny Sartini and Jay Woodcroft? Okay. All right. You're going to keep it up with that. Eight o'clock, Brendan Bachelor. We're not going to ask him any Canucks questions. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> white caps questions. White caps yeah. stuff. <laughs> All my Axel questions are going to go towards Batch. Batch was on the call last night. Canucks six, Oilers two, in case you missed it. We got a lot to get into on that front. Uh, speaking of the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket, you can start getting your What We Learns in now to win tickets to see WWE SmackDown on what is it? Friday, January 5th of 2024 at Rogers Arena. So we'll make it real simple today. Hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Just a ticket emoji today. No flex. Someone sent a clown one. I think that was more a personal attack. Just put a ticket <laughs> into the emoji, into your text, and you'll be entered into the, the contest to win tickets to see SmackDown on January 5th. So working in reverse, Batch is going to join us at 8, Axel Schuster at 7.30, Greg Wyshynski at 6.30. Uh, that's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? 
What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. In a game which really embodied everything that's gone on this season for both teams, not just one team, both teams. The Vancouver Canucks defeated the Edmonton Oilers 6-2 on Monday night at Rogers Arena. It is the third time that Vancouver has beaten Edmonton this season. If you look at the standings this morning, November 7th, 2023, the Canucks are 14 points up on the Edmonton Oilers. (laughs) That is insane. 14 points. Do you know the combined score at Rogers Arena between the Canucks and the Oilers this season in two games, just two games, 14 to three. This is maybe the most, un- of all the unpredictable stuff that's happened with the Vancouver Canucks. Ever in life. Ever, period, end of sentence. Not just to get off to this great hashtag, the start, but to also bury a team with legitimate Stanley Cup aspirations by November 7th. <laughs> I mean, they, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but they need the Edmonton Oilers need to make up 14 points on the best team in their division right All now. All right, let's go over what happened last night. The Oilers did come out strong as expected, uh, badly outshooting the Canucks and getting some prime scoring chances. But there's something the Canucks have that the Oilers definitely do not, and that is a world-class goalie, Thatcher Demko. Kept the Canucks in it with save after save until Dakota Joshua took a penalty and even the Oilers were able to beat Thatcher Demko. Uh, Matthias Ekholm blasted one home late in the power play. And frankly, it did not look good early for the home team. But just like they've done for most of the season, the Canucks had a response. And it was a good response as opposed to some of the responses we've seen in the last two years and They weren't very good responses. Uh, Quinn Hughes scored a lucky one. They've also had a few bounces go their way. Let's all admit that, uh, which bounced off. I think it was uh, DeHarnay's stick. David DeHarnay. And uh, then came two more quick goals. First by Puce Suter, who the Oilers decided, who the Oilers decided, and and this is a theme with the Oilers, decided to leave all alone in the slot. Then Brock Besser scored his ninth of the season on the power play suddenly and quite unexpectedly given the start and the shot clock. It was 3-1 for the Canucks. And I think at that point, the Canucks were getting outshot 19-7. So 19 shots for the Oilers, one goal, seven shots for the Canucks, Three goals. Now, the Oilers did make it 3-2 in the second period after Thatcher Demko got dumped behind the net and Dreisaitl found himself with an open net. I thought, personally, not just a homer, I thought it was a pretty obvious penalty, but the Canucks didn't challenge and decided to answer with another goal. Instead of challenging and making a big deal and, you know, losing their composure Mm -hmm. like certain teams did last night, they were just like, okay, that happened. Nils Hoaglander was like, you know what? I'm just going to score a goal, score again. Uh, once again, left alone in the slot to bang home a Sam Lafferty rebound. And credit to both those guys, Lafferty and Hoaglander, for pressuring the Oilers off a lost faceoff in the Canuck zone to create that scoring rush. On to the third period. It's 4-2 Canucks. No shortage of drama, drama in the third either. Uh, the Oilers had a goal disallowed. 
And the Canucks had a goal that wasn't initially called on the ice. They had to look at it, and then the horn sounds, and everyone went, yay, the horn sounded, so the Canucks scored. Except for JT Miller. He barely responded. Yeah, he was like, good, good. (laughs) Uh, But I guess the big story in the third period, as much as we want to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, was the Edmonton Oilers, the most frustrated team in the world. Connor McDavid, uh, who's probably glad he doesn't have to see the Canucks or JT Miller until April, Uh, Dreisaitl, uh, pretty pissy, a little bit pissy for Dreisaitl. Uh, the refs gave him a 10-minute misconduct. Uh, then Jay Woodcroft, the head coach, for how long? I don't know, but still the head coach, said something to the refs. We can talk about this later. And he got Why tossed. Are you so pissy? He got tossed. He was out of the game. Uh, and then just for good measure, Darnell Nurse took a penalty and Brock Besser scored again to make it 6-2 the final score. Mm-hmm. It was uh, eventful. Um Crazy, unlikely 6-2 victory for the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks are riding high. The Oilers have serious issues. And I was joking on Twitter, imagine if they go down to San Jose on Thursday. That's their next game. Mm -hmm. And they lose to the Sharks. That matchup in San Jose is between the 31st and 32nd ranked teams in the (laughs) NHL, which is amazing. (laughs) The whole thing is, I mean, let's focus on the Canucks here for a bit. Because we are going to have to dedicate... Not a considerable amount of time, but a good amount of time this morning to Edmonton. Because Edmonton is a huge part of the story. Look, Edmonton's a huge part of Vancouver's season. I mean, we're talking about three wins in pretty dramatic fashion, two of them, um, against a team that I don't think anyone had any aspirations of passing in the standings at the start of the year. No. Everyone had seeded that Pacific Division crown, top three spot at the very least, to Edmonton. And I, I don't even have the right words to explain how unlikely this is. I mean, I, to be honest, I kind of feel neglectful for not looking uh, prior to the season and realizing there was this huge whack of games against Edmonton and trying to figure out what that... I figured if you saw Edmonton off yeah. and are able to get a couple of points from them... You're okay. You're okay. And I mean, you I think you tweeted it out the other day, or maybe you mentioned it live, that you would have been happy with a 500 record in December. NHL 500. That was the bar. Yeah. Because it was so just low don't, last the, season. The, 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 the hope was like, just don't bury yourself. And, Ru- yeah, ruining the Oilers was not in the playbook. It was not in the script. But that's exactly what they've done now. And, you know, Keith the Grip text in, uh, I love the reverse bruff jinx on yesterday's show. I saw what you done there. No, I said yesterday, I thought the Oilers were going to win. And here's the thing. The Canucks have Demko. The Oilers don't. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of it was, we're going to play some Rick Tockett audio about about Demko, but the it's more than just a goaltending issue with the Edmonton Oilers um, because defensively they are a mess. I mentioned, like, Suter getting... Wide open in the slot, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a it wasn't like a three on two for the Canucks. It was you know even numbers, and then Suter's just like, pass it to me. I'm wide open here, mm-hmm. and then he you know, and then obviously the Oilers don't get a save from Skinner, who was in there yesterday. He kind of shot it through Skinner. Yeah, right. I mean, you'd like to get a save, but also wide open. And then on the Hoaglander goal, um, I can't remember. I think it was Lafferty who shot the puck. Mm-hmm. Huge rebound out into the slot. But I think it was Evan Bouchard is like skating next to Hoaglander. Yes. Well, like, like, grab a stick. 
grab a stick. Like he, there might be a rebound, and then and then he's just looking at him. And Hoaglander's like, "Thank you for not checking me. I appreciate that." Most of the time, when I go into the slot, uh, a, a defenseman will try and make sure that my stick isn't available to whack in this enormous rebound, right? And that's where I I, I go to is Jay Woodcroft um, going to get fired because like those are terrible and, and it's a problem like you could re- you can hear from uh, the Edmonton media like constantly giving up opportunities in the slot yeah so let's start with the goaltending aspect of this because it's a problem in Edmonton and it certainly is not in Vancouver here's a great line from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett following a 6-2 victory over Edmonton last night in which Thatcher Demko made 40 plus saves you make a couple of mistakes and he's that back there to make you know I mean, they they, had, they they came out to play. They had some great grade A chances, and he was there for us. Um, you know, who knows? You know, it could be three nothing for them right off the bat. So it just gives. It, like I said, it's it was like a. I'll tell you, Demer's like a smelling salt. Like he, we woke up after Demer after he made about I don't know five, six, seven unreal saves, and then we started to kind of wake up a little. But the, the, that's what I mean. The guys were actually really mad at themselves for not being ready. Um, and then obviously they found their legs, and then uh, you know I thought we really played well after that. So when I, Elliot, I hope they start smelling him before the game. That's your. He's here. so stinky. What he you, makes their eyes guys? water. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just crowding around, guys. This is really uncomfortable. Yeah, Please stop. It, it's just a, it's just a turn of phrase. Yeah, um, just, just we get a quick whiff. <laughs> so when. <laughs> Goalies are stinky. Yeah, so that's a big big part of the narrative last night. Although when you look at the game chronologically, you almost forget how good Demko was in the first period because so much stuff happened in the second and the third. But when Elliot Friedman anointed the Vancouver Canucks as Canada's best hope, he made a point of saying all of their best players and all of their stars are playing at a super high level at the exact same time. Demko is one of those guys. Demko has been lights out, and I'm glad that Tockett had something unique to say about the stellar play of his goalie, aside from, wow, that's Demmer. He gives it to us every night. Got to be a better way to phrase that, but there isn't. Um, Moving along, next we go to Quinn Hughes, which we're running out of superlatives on this front as well. So another multi-point night for Quinn Hughes. If you go to the NHL scoring leaders on the NHL.com stats page right now, the leading scorer in the NHL with 21 points is Elias Pettersson. The third leading scorer in the NHL with 20 points is Quinn Hughes. <laughs> I don't know what and else I think, to I think Demko's how- got like the second highest save percentage. Uh, no, he's all the way down lowly fourth. Fourth? Yeah. Well, did you see the, it would have been oh, second if they challenged that goal, but yeah, they didn't. Did you see the Optostats thing I shared with you? That no, Andy, why don't you read it for the listening audience? The Canucks are the first NHL team to outscore their opponents by 30-plus goals over the first 12 games of a season since the 1984-85 Oilers did on their way to winning the Stanley Cup. Plus, right. It's, plus 39. Statistically, it's the best start in franchise history. Yeah. Okay, who's Gretzky? Who's Coffee? Who's who's Messier? We're not going to go who's there. Who's Yari Curry? You could probably make comparisons. We're not going to go there yet. Uh, <laughs> we still have a ways to go, but I'm getting closer and closer starting to have that conversation. Are we conversation. getting ahead of ourselves? Well, no. You're not getting ahead I'm of yourself. I'm still afraid to get hurt. I'm so damaged. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. But here's the thing, and you've mentioned this a handful of times, and it bears repeating, is that there's the statistics that we're throwing out that seem quite gaudy and maybe unsustainable. But there's a sense of eye test and a sense of the way that this team is going about its business that makes you believe that it's going to be more sustainable, at least in terms of... Now, hold on. Not not guys scoring... eye test wasn't great for the first 10 minutes of the game last night. However, you can have bad stretches in games. Mm Mm-hmm. If you have a star goalie to bail you out of this, if it was the 
Demko had to bail us out throughout the entire game and no one showed up. Yeah, like yeah. the Philly game, for example. Right. Demko was brilliant in that game and they still lost 2 nothing mm. because no one showed they up. They did respond. They did it was it wasn't like they were pinned in their own end the whole night, just most of the first. <laughs> yeah, and you and they scored three goals in the same period where they were pinned in, do right? You, do you think the Oilers lost some belief though, like after the first period? Do you think they were just kind of like, what is going on? Well, here? yeah, they you, almost had triple the amount of shots and they were losing. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. Because when Elliot and us talk about the Canucks' best players being their best players and leading the charge, could you not say the complete opposite for Edmonton right now? I mean, you saw, and look, I understand frustration, and I understand blowing your top, but when McDavid and Dreisaitl lost it in the third period, mm-hmm. they were still in that game. The Warren Fogel goal stands, and it's a 4-3 game, right? And they had the push to make it 4-3. They just became unglued at a time where that game was still with the offensive power that they have. That, te- yeah. that game is still up for grabs. But that's but that's that's how it's been going for the Oilers in their last few games. They yep. put themselves in positions where they're chasing games, and a lot of the times it comes down to two things: one, bad goaltending; two, bad defensive play. So they give up. So the. the, the they're getting their chances and maybe they're not going in. And exactly like last night, then they give up an odd man rush the other way or something goes wrong. They don't get a save. There's a bad defensive coverage. And then they're chasing the game. Yep. Right. Exactly. And then they're going to give up more odd man rushes because they're chasing the game. You know, we've seen what happens in Vancouver when you're chasing the game. Your structure does come apart because in some ways you have to push your structure and sometimes you have to take some chances. And that's what's happening to the Oilers right now. Um, I don't know what's gonna I don't know what's gonna happen to them. I, I, I really don't. But like I if this was this was what, a week ago, I was like, Yeah, the Oilers are gonna be fine. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pull it together. Now they've buried themselves and put themselves in such a deep hole that you wonder how they're gonna pull out of it, and especially with the goaltending that they're getting right now. Right. And everyone's going to look at first behind the bench because it's often the easiest solution. You just you're in a you're in a funk, you fire the head coach. And I would assume that it's going to be an even more microscopic view now of Jay Woodcroft because Woodcroft got tossed from yesterday's game. So Laddie, pull up the audio here. Woodcroft was asked in the aftermath about what happened in his conversation with the referee that led to getting ejected. Now, Look, I understand what's going on here. I'm old enough to have seen a lot of interactions where the coach just doesn't want to give anything to the media because it's not worth it. And that's exactly what Jay Woodcroft did. But if you think for a nanosecond that this is an honest answer to the question, well, I don't know what to tell you. Here is Jay Woodcroft in his post-game media availability uh, talking about the ejection late in the third period. Um, I asked uh, about the play on Holloway um, and you know it, it wasn't uh, not profanity laced or anything like that it was a question uh, it wasn't well received when I asked the question and in the end I got to be better I can't take a penalty uh, to put our team down um, but it, I didn't think it crossed the line at all but it was sometimes the way you send a message or, or ask a question the way it's received might be um, not in the manner you intended to. And in the end, um, you know, I, the reason I asked that question, I thought it was similar to the penalty that McDavid um, took uh, to go down 4-3. on three. So I thought it was a fair question. He didn't. And um, in the end, i got to be better. Can't ask that question, apparently. 
So here's what's coming up next for the Canucks. It gets even more exciting. Mm. They're going to head back east on a trip through eastern Canada that starts Thursday in Ottawa against a Senators team that looked like they were going to get off to a good start to the season but has since fallen on hard times. Uh, DJ Smith there on the hot seat uh, in an organization that's going through a lot of change, ownership change. Saturday, they're in Toronto. And the Leafs played a real interesting game yesterday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Samsonov there is an issue. And Laddie was right because Joe Wool is their best bet in yep. goal. Uh, they fell down 4-1 to the Tampa Bay Lightning and then fought back to win 6-5 in overtime. I'm they si- gave Samson off the hook. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going like, you know, I know, I, I don't think Tampa's goaltending has been disastrous. But that was a game where they could have used Vasilevsky. Um, at any rate, the Leafs, the Leafs got issues. Austin Matthews is scoring a ton of goals, but the Leafs are not looking terrific. And then we play a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. We see. I'm so on the Canucks bandwagon right now. <laughs> We're gonna win it. We're gonna sweep this road trip. Uh, they play in Montreal on Sunday, and then they return home. To play the Islanders, Bo Horvat is there. And then after that, games against Calgary, Seattle, San Jose. So, like, all these games have a hook. Party time. It's either Canadian teams or, you know, in the case of the Islanders, Horvat's back. Uh, at Rogers Arena, or you know, you're playing the. They, they have a couple games uh, this month against the Seattle Kraken. You think they buried the the Edmonton Oilers? The Canucks can bury the Seattle Kraken too. Well, this upcoming swing through Eastern Canada is going to be a real interesting. If you're really into how the team is perceived and are the national audiences paying attention to your local hockey squadron, this is a three game traveling road show through three of the biggest markets. Well, two anyway. And you're going to see a lot of, is Quinn Hughes the Norris favorite? Mm-hmm. Is Elias Patterson a Hart Trophy candidate? Is Thatcher Demko going to win the Vezna? Is Rick Tockett going to win the Jack Adams? So, because this is this is a top five team in the NHL. God, top three in terms of points and standings. Well, the end of November, like their schedule, or their because of the schedule, they could be looking pretty dominant even more so. So yeah. did you hear um, uh, Rick Tockett a few days ago say, how are we going to handle prosperity? I thought that was a really interesting question and not a question that's been asked a lot in Vancouver in the last little while, but like, how are you going to handle people praising you Mm -hmm. as opposed to going into these markets and being like, you know, like what's wrong, you know, that sort of thing. Like, because, and he was like, you know, he said that kind of old school, are you reading your press clippings? Like this is where the Canucks, if it's going to happen, are going to get pumped up too much. So this is going to be on, Rick Tockett, the leadership group, veterans like Ian Cole to say like, hey guys, it's okay to feel good about yourself because you're playing really well and let's keep that going. Mm -hmm. But let's remember the things, the hard things, the uncomfortable things that we did to get here because we are not just going to skate into games now and just be unbelievable. Let's be honest about some of our performances. Let's be honest about Thatcher Demko basically saving our bacon Against the Edmonton Oilers, like Rick Tockett said, it could have been 3 nothing for the Oilers if not for Thatcher Demko early yeah. on. And let's remember, we're not perfect. We've still got things to work on. 
Yeah. We got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Coming up on the other side, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN is going to join us. We'll ask him all sorts of things about the national coverage they're giving the Vancouver Canucks, including all of the NHL awards in his early stages of the season. 7.30, it's Axel Schuster for a little Whitecaps talk uh, in the aftermath of their playoff defeat. And then at 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, is going to join us here. Uh, reminder, if you want to get a What We Learned In and win tickets to see WWE SmackDown on Friday, January 5th at Rogers Arena, you can do it throughout the show. Send to What We Learned, hashtag it WWL, send it to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650, and put a ticket emoji into the text to be entered into the grand prize contest for a pair of tickets to see WWE SmackDown uh, next January. There's a lot more to get to. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. That music means it's almost time for Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here. Uh, Hour one of this program is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. ESPN's Greg Wyshynski now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Doing doing better than the Oilers. I can tell you that much. But are, I mean, are you doing as well as the Vancouver Canucks? That's the real question. <laughs> Nobody is. I don't think. <laughs> is this, I mean, like, is, look, sorry, man, is this not slightly amazing? I'll take I'll take victory laps on on saying the the Canucks are going to be good, and uh, and then also. Um, to give the Canucks fans even more joy, I'll take a victory lap for, you know, wrangling up all the ballots for the awards watch yesterday and showing that, you know, basically everyone on the on, on Vancouver is going to win an award this year, apparently. <laughs> so, like, it's good times, man. It's, it's, it's good vibes, and, and hopefully they do the smart thing and continue to wear the jersey they, they wore last night because it's dope. The awards thing is interesting, though, because I do think it shows that even though the Canucks had issues in the last few seasons, they did have some pretty good players at the key positions, you know, down the middle, Pedersen and Miller on the back end, Quinn Hughes and in goal, Thatcher Demko. Um, When you were doing these awards watch uh, columns and granted it's still early, who would you say is the most likely Canuck to end up winning a major award? You can include the coach too. First of all, I think it's it's going to be amazing. Like we we publish this this awards watch, you know, the Canucks get all this love, and then like when they don't win awards, it'll be like East Coast bias. Like it'll be nobody watches the games, yada yada yada. But like for now, obviously, I, I guess everybody has insomnia on the East Coast, and they all are celebrating Vancouver. Um, so that's an interesting question. Quinn Quinn Hughes has a rather robust lead right now for the Norris, and and. Um, I would say that he's probably got a better shot than, than Tockett at this point, because Tock's going to have to deal with 
the Jim Montgomery of it all, you know, with what the Bruins are doing. He's going to have to deal with Cassidy and, and if the, you know, Golden Knights end up with a ridiculous uh, record at the end of the season. Um, and then he's going to have to deal with, you know, Derek Lalonde and, and uh, you know, a couple of other coaches that have, have elevated their teams too. So I think there's probably more uh, competition for the Jack Adams. Um, and, and then, you know, just by the, the raw vote totals that we've, we got for the awards watch yesterday, like Quinn's <laughs> Quinn's like a country mile ahead of Cal McCarr right now. Like, mm-hmm, like yeah. he's got incredible support for that award. And you have to remember that like, that's an award where guys get anointed, you know, Drew Dowdy got anointed one year, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, it was his time to win. It felt before the season that Miro Heiskanen was going to be that guy where it was going to be his time to win. And it could very well be that uh, Quinn market corrected, He's getting in, and now it's his time to win. Uh, how broken are the Oilers right now? It's just it, they're a train wreck. Like, I mean, and I don't say that in the sense of like they they they. Oh, I know that people were saying, oh, they lost their minds last night. They're they're mixing it up, you know, Connor and Leon. That's just like good to see. <laughs> that's that's ultimately a good thing to see them being passionate. You'd rather that every day over being dispassionate. But you know everything from defensive structure to, to guys hitting their marks to obviously the goaltending being, I mean, completely substandard. It's it's really hard to like see this thing and and see a way out of it, um, other than taking the drastic measures that teams usually take when when things are this bad. I mean, you can always, uh, not necessarily predict, but you can understand or rationalize why some teams get off to bad starts or some teams find themselves in a funk. It's just wild to me that this one in Edmonton uh, has so much to do with the fact that the Canucks have broken them. Like, there was the first game of the season 8-1, which in retrospect really set a tone, and now it's three wins from three for the Canucks. If you look at the standings right now, Greg, we opened the show with this. It's November 7th. The Oilers trail the Canucks by 14 points in the standings already. It's a remarkable thing. Yeah, I mean, what, what are you going to hang a banner because you broke the, the Oilers? Yes, probably. probably yeah. You know how bad things have been here in the last little <laughs> yeah, bit? Yeah. Big banner. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's spiraled. And, and the other thing about them, too, is that it's, you know, it's one thing for a team to get off to a bad start and then kind of, like, find their footing. It's another thing for a team to try to find their footing when they have the weight of the world in their shoulders. I mean, myself and a lot of other people pick the cup this year. And so when they get off to a bad start, when things aren't working, when, when they're giving up a ton of goals and their defense is, has, has flatlined, um, and then they're looking all of a sudden up in the standings, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be even more daunting than it would be for, for another team that's not in that market and doesn't have the weight of those expectations. Uh, how much blame does Ken Holland deserve in all this? Is the roster faulty besides the goaltending? I mean, the goaltending is, it can't be besides the goaltending because right. the goaltending is the whole thing. I mean, like, otherwise, he's done some pretty decent things. I mean, like, you know, the addition of Hyman has been good, but, but you know, who knows with this season. Everybody praised him to the moon for getting Matthias Ekholm to kind of be the linchpin of the defense. And for a while last season, it looked like that was going to be a huge turning point for the franchise, having that guy in the blue line. Um, but I mean, like, you know, Ken Holland it, it, it can't make Evan Bouchard play defense. <laughs> like, oh, you know, he, no, he can't, he can't do some of the, uh, the things that these guys can't do. I, 
I, the goaltending is squarely on him. I mean, like the Jack Campbell signing is going to probably go down as one of the worst signings of the last 10 years insofar as like if they had someone else besides Skinner they could trot out and feel confident about, then uh, this might be a totally different situation. Like you could, you could honestly say, and this is like something I never thought I'd say, but you could honestly say that if they signed Mike Smith tomorrow, it'd be an improvement on this goaltending battery. Like, that's how bad it is what, right now. What can be done about that? Are there any goalies that, that you can think of that are out there? Because there are some other teams that have some goaltending issues. Um, Carolina, I don't know if they're they're going to do anything about their, their goaltending. Um, but, like, it does not look good going forward. Even though Skinner did have a good season last year, he looked awful last night. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, like I don't know who you'd bring in at this point. To, to try to solidify this thing because on top of the look, the goaltending is the last line of defense, right? And the problem is, is that the, the, the defense in front of these goaltenders isn't good at either. <laughs> so, so while you do want somebody who's going to maybe keep you in a game better than Skinner and Campbell are doing right now, it doesn't change the systemic problems that you have defensively in front of them in, in some cases. Now I say that knowing that the analytics tell the Oilers are actually playing okay. Five on five. Like it's not, disastrous like they're not a, a turnstile in front of their goaltenders um and and in theory they should be better defensively if they were getting these saves um but anyone who watches this team can see that there are just like glaring mistakes made on a on a, a shift by shift basis by this team mm-hmm. um at five on five i mean like again the canucks just toyed with them at times there were, there were two canucks left wide open in the slot in the game last night pew Suter scored uh, when he was just like, it wasn't an odd man rush. It was just like a three on three. And he's like, Hey, pass it to me. I've got a yeah. hundred feet here to shoot the puck. And then uh, you mentioned Evan Bouchard. He didn't tie up Nils Hoaglander on, on a back check. And Sam Lafferty shot a huge rebound out into the middle of the slot. And Hoaglander was like, thanks for not tying up my stick. I'm just going to score this. The Canucks were getting chances last night that you used to get on, like, the Sega Genesis. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, it, it, you shouldn't get it. And again, like, again, like, the numbers tell you that the Oilers have been better. And again, maybe it's just a matter of them wilting when they, when they see the Canucks on the other side of the ice. But, you know, there are problems in front of the goalies, and I don't know if there's a goalie out there that, that is going to necessarily, like, make the saves that they're, they're not getting right now. That's going to be available. That's the real issue is that, like, this is a league where you've got like a dozen guys that are like legit workhorse number one goalies. They're not moving anywhere. And so you have to go find yourself an Aiden Hill, you know, or, or like a one a, a 1A, like a one B that's going to be able to solidify the crease. And I don't even know who that'd be at this point. The thing that we haven't talked about is Woodcroft. How have we gotten this far without talking about Jay Woodcroft? I was mm. trying to get a Woodcroft question. Yeah. I, I want to know, have you already put together the list of potential coaching candidates to replace him? Yeah, it's Boudreau and Gallant probably. Right. And that's it. Like, Boudreau, he's not. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to help them defensively. I don't think he's going to help them defensively either. But at the very least, he's going to do the thing that he's always been able to do, which is change the tone and tenor of a terrible situation. Like, don't don't underestimate the fact that you could bring in someone like that, and all of a sudden you can feel a little bit better about yeah. life. Because right now, I mean, the palpable depression on that team and the fact that they're spiraling is one of the, the chief reasons why things have gotten as bad as they are. Woodcroft, so I don't know what to do with Woodcroft because, like, again, politically that they're doing are okay. And, and is it really his fault if his, if his goalie can't get a save? I don't know. But, like, 
it's clear that they're probably about two losses away from from having to make a coaching change and like maybe one loss away if it ends up being San Jose, right? So like, um, it's, I don't know. But as far as the coaching candidates go, I mean, do you stay on your bench and, and, and try to figure out something with Gullitson? Do you uh, dip into the AHL? Do you, do you bring in one of these retreads that's available out there? I don't know, man. I don't know who you throw at the situation and say, outside of, you know, Joel Quenville. Which that's what I was thinking, I've already seen. Quenville. Yeah, but again, like, how, how in the hell are you bringing Joel Quenville back after another black ace just hit the Blackhawks with a yeah, civil suit. Know, <laughs> like, that is, I mean, again, that's, I understand the Blackhawks are like standing and, and saying, look, all these guys that were there during this, they're not here anymore. And we've turned a new leaf, whatever. That's great. Except the guys that were there are still responsible for what happened. And now it's right back in the news. Could you imagine Gary Bettman giving the green light to Joel Quenville to go coach the Edmonton Oilers at the same time that this news hit mm-hmm. and these guys and the, and the lawyers are doing press conferences in Chicago detailing how the, the Blackhawks, you know, allowed this to happen on Quenville's watch. It'd be crazy to do that. Yeah. And I, and I don't know about Mike Babcock either. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. Dark either. horse candidate. Dark horse Wouldn't candidate. Wouldn't see it coming. <laughs> Uh, wish the the Canucks head out on on an interesting road trip uh, back east in Canada through Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal. Which of those three teams is the most interesting to you right now? Ottawa, Montreal, and who? Toronto. Sorry, I was just thinking about Mike Babcock asking to see the Oilers phones, and it's just pictures of sad Ben Affleck all over and over again on all their, all their screens. McDavid would be like, I don't take pictures. I don't, yeah. I don't find anything interesting. Um, Montreal is really interesting insofar as like I thought they might continue to take a leap. They took a step back against St. Louis recently, but I mean, it's obviously Ottawa and, and just again, trying to figure out what, what the situation is going to end up being like. I mean, for all the Jay Woodcroft talk, I mean, DJ Smith has got to be, despite all the votes of confidence he's received from, you know, Steve Stales and others recently, like he's got to be looking over his shoulder a little bit about the performance of this team. And, and now, you know, obviously you have the Brady Kachuk thing where he's like calling out the fans a little bit for booing a team that has been out of the playoffs for six straight seasons and, and not meeting expectations. And yeah, I get it. You're trying hard, but it's kind of a results-oriented business when you're paying $500 to bring a family of four to a hockey game on a Tuesday night. So, you know, it's, that's, that's the one that's sort of powder keggy right now on top of everything that happened in that Ann Lauer uh, press conference. Yeah, well, we didn't get a chance to talk to you after. We've been focused a lot, obviously, on the local team. But as this trip happens, we did sort of we played Brady Kachuk's audio the other day, and then we ran through just how tumultuous this has been this season. Nothing new for Ottawa, but obviously new for Andlauer because he had to take over this thing. And I'm wondering what his press conference and how his press conference was received at the highest levels back at NHL HQ. I mean, if the, if the first. If, if the moment he stepped off that stage, his phone didn't buzz with a New York area code, I'd be shocked. <laughs> okay. I'd be shocked. That reminded me of early Tom Dundon back when he was like really interesting and saying cool things and talking out of speaking out of turn about the league's marketing and things like that. And then, you know, that quickly went away. And I'm sure it's going to be the same situation with Andlauer as far as like shooting from the hip the way that he did in that press conference. I mean, that's. That's not only, I mean, he ran the gambit of the NHL was not disclosing information to me and during the, the, the buying process mm-hmm. to calling out the NHL's relationship with sports books. And you're just like, wow, man, you're checking all the boxes. 
Um, I mean, I, I was I was waiting for him to start spouting off on CTE uh, to really start, you know, <laughs> drilling at home on Batman. But uh, and what but, the hell? Or why is there a team still in Arizona? Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, like, we, we should enjoy that while we can because he'll never say anything as interesting ever again. He may not even speak in public again after uh, after what went down, probably behind the scenes between him and the NHL. So. Um, I'm, gl- I'm glad he got his EIS out. I think he's probably earned the right paying as much as he did for that team to do so. But uh, I-, I imagine the next time we hear from him, it's going to be a lot a lot less contentious. We're speaking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Greg, Edmonton now takes its traveling sideshow to San Jose to take on the worst team in the NHL. By the way, that game, we mentioned this earlier, is between the 31st and 32nd ranked teams in the league, <laughs> which is an amazing thing. But uh, the shark side of it, the only reason I mention this is that it is so bad and historically bad, giving up 10 goals in consecutive games for the first time since 1965. Does or does San Jose have a legitimate shot to be the worst team ever in the NHL? They, they do. Um, and, and, and so on the drop this week, me and Arda had Ray Ratto on, who's with Defector. He's been a long time curmudgeon <laughs> in the Bay Area. And we had a really good conversation with him about the Sharks, how bad they are, whether they could end up being the worst team in NHL history, and also like what that means for the market. And, yeah. and Ray's take, I think, is a really interesting one, which is that they clearly set out to be bad, and, and I think that's laudable. And I'm, I'm a tanking guy. I think that you can take a, a huge step back to take a leap forward in this league, and, and time and time again, if the right player is at the top of the draft, it's going to benefit you, un- undoubtedly benefit you. I mean, there are far, far more... Jack Hughes's and, and Connor McDavid's and, and Connor Bedard's and there are Nail Yakupov's, right? So like, I, I'm I'm fine with them tanking. Ray's contention is that, in sort of a, a twisted mad scientist way, Mike Greer has made a team that's <laughs> even worse than he expected. <laughs> like, I think that's a great point. Like, I think they wanted to be bad, but I don't think that they anticipated to be this bad. And yeah. you end up now really potentially hurting the market. Um, and, 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 and hurting your revenues by, uh, by being this bad. And they're not even, as I said on the podcast today, like they're not even fun, bad, like they're just bad, bad. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. You, you like hapless teams that, uh, can't get out of their own way. And, Oh, we can, we can giggle about how bad they are, but the sharks are just like depressing bad. And that's not fun. Yeah. It's funny. I actually got asked this by a buddy the other day. Would you consider the sharks a big market team? Because you're kind of like, yeah, they're in a massive market. They're in the Bay Area, but I don't like, I don't I, like, I don't think of them as like a a power, a financial powerhouse in the league. Where are the Sharks financially in this league? I think they're a powerhouse locally. I mean, like they they used to print print money, uh, selling jerseys and and filling that arena, and and they were, you know, I, I lived out there for two years. Like they were a very very big deal in that market, and and. Uh, you know, the market, like you said, stretches all the way from San Jose to San Francisco. And, and they certainly, you know, had a, a very robust fan base. And they certainly had a lot of fans that had disposable income, too. I mean, let's be honest. That's why the market's important. But, I mean, as far as, like, do we need, you know, a, a, a top-tier player to revive the market for the betterment of the league nationally? Not necessarily. I think when the Sharks were great, you know, they, there was curiosity about them. But by no means did they move the needle in the Western Conference, even in the same way that the Vegas Golden Knights do as a national draw. But from a local standpoint, yeah, they, they need to get their act together quick because 
that is a, a market where they're, they're used to a level of success. Mm-hmm. They're not having it. And the fan base is certainly atrophied because of that. Wish, this was great, man. Thanks for doing it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Anytime. See you, buddy. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It is time now for the Everything Financial Report with Peter Shashecki. You may think getting a proper financial plan is a long, cumbersome, and difficult process, and that's why you don't have one, but you're wrong. It isn't. Give Peter Shashecki and his team at Everything Financial just one hour of your time, and they'll get you on the road to financial freedom with their Omni Formula Express plan. And, uh, Peter joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Peter. How are you? We got Peter on the line here? Yeah? Peter, you there? We'll try again. Uh, so A-Dogs are going to get uh, Peter back on the line there. Um, I was just thinking about the Sharks, actually. Um, that Oilers-Sharks game, first of all, is going to be incredible. Everyone's going to watch. <laughs> Greatest be like, game in NHL Because, like, like, the Sharks, listen, I don't know if the Sharks can have a response. Wow. But, like, but like of all of all the games for them to get up for, if they could possibly just do this, and at the very least, let's make it interesting. Let them keep it close against the Edmonton Oilers. So they did have the general manager meets with the players behind closed doors thing happen in San Jose because I think somebody had to say something. You couldn't just keep going out there after consecutive losses where you gave up 10 goals and just say, okay, let's just get it back on track. So Mike Greer did issue a certain mm-hmm. warning. It was a shot across the bow, and he, he alluded to this isn't fair to the fans. This isn't fair to the owner. You can lose. You can be bad, but you can't be this bad. Anyway, we position now. Move along. We're going to try and get Peter Shashecki back from Everything Financial on the line. Peter, do we have you? You have me. The phone just went dead, kind of like the Oilers' offense, defense, and goalies. <laughs> yeah, we're having a lot of fun. I didn't plan that. It just happened. Man, we're having a lot of fun with the Canucks winning and the Oilers losing. Uh, let's talk a little business here. Speculative investments that promise, this is the, the twist here, that promise multiple tax savings. Uh, what are some examples of these? They're out there, yeah. There's things like you can you can go to your sales rep and they'll sell you stuff like in an in an art trust where you're buying a whole bunch of art or there's another one out there in the movie industries and there and you're buying all these trusts that are CRA tentatively approved and and you get great like instead of you know an RSP you just get a, a tax deduction based on your income but these ones you're getting almost double the tax deductions like you're so if you have Say it, and if you're in a thirty percent tax bracket and you buy ten thousand RSP, you're going to get three thousand dollars. Well, this one for your, you know, ten thousand dollars, you might get almost ten thousand dollars in tax savings. I mean, that's that just sounds amazing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I've actually never been uh, sold any of these. Who does who does sell these types of investments, uh, and why do they sell them? Yeah, mutual fund dealers sell them. Um, they come up every couple years. And they sell them for the perceived tax savings, and the commissions are freaking awesome. Like the guys get paid two to three times more what they'll get paid for mutual funds in some cases. Like they're they're pretty significant commissions, and 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 if you're going to get a significant tax savings, you're not going to you know have a problem with someone making good commission if you're getting you know this massive tax relief on mm-hmm. it. 
Right. What are the consequences, though, if CRA says no dice? Well, that's the problem. More times than not, the CRA actually does say no dice. And there was just one that came out, and that's what we're talking about. It was just in the news a few days ago. And four, almost five years later, the CRA came out and said, um, no, all those write-offs you've been getting the last four or five years for this uh, trust, no, we have not allowed it. Because they never, they on these things, they never finally say, yes, they're good. They say they're, you know, they're possibly going to be good. And what happens is, guess what? All that money you saved on taxes, you're paying them back with interest because it was never allowed in the first place. And, and the moral of the story, read the fine print. You ha- like signing a goalie to a multi-year deal who has a like 0.85 save percentage, read the fine print. They're just never really that good. And when these tax deals sound so good and you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to put in 10 and get 10 back, and then it turns out, you get nothing back, you would have been better off putting your money into an RSP term deposit for crying out loud and at least know your tax savings are not in jeopardy. Because let me ask you, when you get those big tax savings, do you save them for a rainy day in case you might have to pay them back? No, I spend them Probably right not. <laughs> exactly, you spend it like everyone else. We spend them, we enjoy them and go, thank you, government, we got a tax saving, thank you, CRA, we did smart planning and we're going to spend our money you don't wait for four or five years down the road. And this has been happening for the past 30 years in these things. They, you just, you know what, when they look that insane, walk away and just put your money somewhere where your, where your tax relief is guaranteed with no maybe, well, possibly later on we might cancel it. Peter, good stuff, good information as always, and thank you very much for doing this. Enjoy the rest of the week and all the Canucks games this week. We'll do this again next Tuesday. You bet, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. That's uh, Peter Shashecki from Everything Financial here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, visit them online at everythingfinancial.com or call 1-888-424-4421 and get your complimentary introductory meeting booked today. Uh, lots more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We have an open segment coming up. I would like to dive into the Dunbar Lumber text line and read some of your texts. Yes, the listener feedback on the Vancouver Canucks following their 6-2 win over Edmonton last night. Also a reminder, if you want tickets to see SmackDown, yes, SmackDown, on January the 5th, uh, send it what we learned in, 650-650. Don't forget to put a ticket emoji into your text that will enter you into the contest to win tickets to see WWE SmackDown at Rogers Arena on Friday, January the 5th. Lots more to get to. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.